I'm Matt Hayes, and we're here with a, a special mini-series kickoff uh, to the Uncovered podcast. And, and Rob and I are going to discuss uh, the effects of COVID-19 on the venture and tech ecosystem. And so the way that we're going to kick it off is we're going to talk a little bit about what we've done for our portfolio companies and how we are thinking about um, you know, what is to come here. And so, you know, in terms of an action plan, Rob, you know, what, what Rob and I did along with David is, uh, who's our managing partner is we decided to go back to all of our portfolio companies and learn a little bit more about their cash position. And so I think what companies are realizing is, you know, cash is paramount and, and it's your shield in a, in a bad time. And so, you know, over the past week and a half, we've had, you know, pretty in-depth conversations with all of our CEOs around their cash position, along with, uh, you know, what they're thinking about from a, you know, financial plan standpoint and how this is going to affect them. And so, you know, that is, that's the first thing that we did. Uh, the second thing that we did was, you know, have a conversation as a firm to, to think through how we're going to handle, you know, new opportunities over the next month or two. Uh, you know, we're still very much actively investing, uh, but we felt like it was very important to make sure that, you know, the syndicates that are coming together and the new rounds that we're doing are strong and that there's plenty of capital around the table to, to fund companies. And so I think from our perspective, we've View this market, you know, from a venture side is, you know, how we're thinking about our portfolio companies and how we're thinking about new investments. And so, as mentioned, you know, from a portfolio standpoint, we want to make sure our companies have cash and, and they're, uh, you know, planning appropriately. And from a new investment standpoint, you know, we think it's very important to make sure that there's a lot of cash around the table. Uh, and Rob, you know, feel free to hop in and, and discuss, you know, how your view as well. But, you know, from my standpoint, that those are the two main things that we've been, you know, discussing at PJC, um, you know, very recently. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting to be, I mean, you know, hell, hell of a start to my venture career, um, you know, having joined PJC in November and have to go through a market like this uh, so so quickly. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think it's a good experience. I've lived through a market like this as an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, we, we talked about this stuff. As VCs, we, we pay a little bit of attention to macro trends, you know, but, but maybe not a ton because our companies have this sort of 10-year time horizon for a lot of the investments we're making now. You know, a lot of our companies are three people and they're just working on a product that's going to come out in a year. Like those people are almost unaffected by this. Um, and then, you know, we have some companies that are big and strong and profitable, and I think they're less affected by this. But, you know, you have all these growth companies. I, I think the really hard challenge for a company right now is, you know, you've got, you know, five million, seven million in revenue. Your plan was originally to try to double that up, but you were going to spend pretty aggressively to do it. I mean, in this kind of market, do you do you still spend like that, or, or or what do you do? I mean, I mean, what's your opinion on that, Matt? Yeah, I think I think you know you have kind of two buckets, and the buckets are you know emerging very early, and I actually think for the you know the seed and you know pre-seed companies, as long as they're well capitalized, this is a great time to go heads down and and build product. Um, you know, as you're building, you need feedback from potential users and. The, the thing that we've seen is, you know, people are taking the Zoom and, and they're still very much active and having conversations. And so I think, you know, as product builders, I think early on, uh, you know, in a company's life, this is actually a really good time to be building a product and, and being really early. I think for some of the companies that are, like you mentioned, at that growth stage where, you know, they've, they've raised fairly large tranches of capital and they have a large team that's relying on them and their plan is to double or triple revenue, I think they're going to get a little bit hurt from the sales cycle because I think what's 
what's happening is companies are kind of putting a little bit of a freeze on, you know, perhaps purchasing new products. They're taking a hard look at their financial position. And I mean, three to four months ago, that was not the case. I mean, we were at all time highs in the market, you know, money was flowing, you know, people were excited. And so I think this is a really interesting shock. It's, it's also a shock that, you know, people who are, you know, early, you know, within, you know, the first 10 years of their career have never seen. Uh, and so there's a lot of professionals who are at the actually at the top of organizations at this point uh, who didn't get a chance to you know live through the financial crisis professionally. Uh, maybe they had it as a student, uh, but this is going to be really interesting to see how people you know navigate the waters. I think that there's absolutely going to be uh, more stringent. Um, you know, on spending. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how it how it develops. But I do think at the earliest stages, the companies will have the ability to build really great products and kind of take this time to just go heads down on that. But I do think the growth com companies will will definitely struggle a little bit from just, hit, you know, a, you know, a growth metric standpoint and, and getting the numbers that they're looking for that double and triple year over year. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that, right? I think it's, um I think it's, it, it can be a really good time to start a company because, you're going to have less competition. There's going to be fewer companies started. You know, we, we've seen, I mean, how many Me Too ideas have we seen in the last, you know, three or four years where like everybody's trying to be, you know, we've looked at a bunch of ideas where there's, you know, seven startup competitors in, you know, the first six months of the industry. Um, and so I think you'll see less of that. But I do think it's important for people to realize that, you know, venture venture capital is a private asset class, is a long-term asset class. Like we're still, we're still taking the long view. We're still investing. The people we talk to are still investing. I think to your point, if, if you're an entrepreneur today, um, you know, your expectation should be like valuations are going to come down a little bit. Like that's, that's fine. Um, they were, they were a little too high anyway, a little unbalanced. Um, and then I think, you know, I think you build stronger syndicates. I think that's what we're looking for as investors, um, raise a little bit more money, do it with stronger partners. You know, we're, um, we're very fortunate at PJC that we just closed, uh, yeah. you know, our, our fifth fund, our hundred million dollar fund. I think there's a lot of new VCs in the market. Um, you know, and, and I think some of the, this is when the, 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 the money that's been around longer term, the people that have had, you know, uh, multiple funds and so have a lot of staying power and good LP relationships or, you know, have just closed funds are going to be, um, you know, a lot better than, you know, people that are just going out to raise their next fund or, you know, are halfway through a fundraise. I think it's going to be hard. Um, you know, I think I, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of savvy LPs that, you know, might increase some of their commitments to private markets over the next couple of years, just because, you know, we, the, the uncertainty in the public markets and, and the way private markets have performed. But, um, but yeah, times are, times are definitely changing. And, um, you know, it's, uh, but, 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 but venture is not going away. And, and this is still going to be a good time for tech. Um, one of the things we talked about, Matt, at one of the other partnership meetings, I'd be interested to hear your sort of opinion on this now is like, you know, do you think, do you think there are industries or businesses that are going to, benefit maybe not even just from what's happening right now but like what changes is this going to bring the, you know secular changes to how we work and how tech operates and 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 what they what people or companies might benefit from that yeah i think if you look at you know at post 9-11, you know, something that kind of wasn't very normal where, you know, where all the TSA, pro, you know, procedures and processes that 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 people went through, right? It was like, wow, there's so much going on at the airport. This is absolutely crazy. And, you know, like 20, almost 20 years later, it's kind of become the new normal, right? You, you, you get your TSA pre or you go through the scanner, you know, there, there's 9,000 different things you need to do. Uh, and it kind of just got accepted. I mean, people just 
you know, they just kind of took to it. It was the new normal. And I think what you're going to start to see is, you know, potentially more health screening and there's going to be more health technology opportunities uh, just around, you know, monitoring people as they're, you know, go, perhaps going in and out of airports and, and things of that nature. And, and, you know, as they're walking into venues. And so I think there's definitely some opportunity on the health tech side. I don't know what it'll look like, but I do think we're going to see some sort of a behavioral shift there because I think a lot of people haven't experienced this type of, you know, perhaps fear before. And so it will be really interesting to see how, you know, what comes out from a policy standpoint and, and what, you know, large venues and, and airports do now that they realize that something like this can spread so quickly and, and have such an impact on the global, uh, you know, the, the globe and the global economy. And so I think that's an area. I mean, I think the other thing is there's a lot of people who are working remotely. And I think what may happen is, you know, companies might realize that, People can work remotely and be pretty productive, and so it'll be that that will be interesting to see how it plays out. Just you know, I think people talked about remote work, but you know, the large majority of companies were still in office, and you know, having to actually, it's almost like we're we're pushing forward on the growth curve there because you know what's happening is people are having to adopt remote work policies in real time, and so once those policies are put into place, and you know, executives realize that their company you know, function pretty well, they're then going to take a hard look at their fixed costs as they run their business and say, you know, how big of an office do I do I really need to have? And, you know, maybe that has to do with like rotating people in and out on a weekly basis. Maybe it's, you know, every few days, you just have different teams clustering for different meetings. And, you know, it's it's more of a way to gather and collaborate and then kind of disperse versus, you know, just come and be there the entire time. So I think those are two major shifts that we're going to see. I think the remote work uh, progress on the remote work side is, is being propelled for and I also think that, you know, the new normal on the, you know, the health tech and health screening side is going to change a lot. Yeah. And, you know, do you think this has long term impacts on this trend that, that you and I've talked about multiple times about, um, you know, companies moving out of Silicon Valley because it's gotten so expensive and you see a lot of companies go to Y Combinator and then move back to, you know, we've seen companies in North Carolina and Florida and, you know, every other place. And we've invested at PJC, you know, even before today, we have investments in, I don't know, 13 or 15 different states um, or something like that. And, and as these, you know, as these hubs have gotten so expensive, particularly for your, your sort of mid-career people to live in, you know, when they're starting families and stuff like that. Um, uh, and, and people are thinking about, you know, you, your manager teams in San Francisco, but you put a, you put a call center in, you know, Salt Lake City and you put an engineering team in Phoenix or Atlanta or whatever, like, you know, do you think this is going to accelerate that trend and is going to lead to a you know increased distribution nationwide of startups and VC dollars, or you think it's still going to stay stay more concentrated? No, I, I do think there's going to be a really I think there's going to be a large distribution. I think you know if we're you know we're active we actively invest in in Y Combinator companies and you know Demo Day was the dynamics of Demo Day was was recently changed as as everyone knows and you know, we're just hopping on Zoom calls and having great conversations with people. And I think companies are, are getting funded. And I think what will be interesting is, you know, after seeing the results of this, you know, if there is still, you know, funding that was that was flowing from, you know, just doing Zoom calls and Zoom meetings and, you know, having conversations over the phone, I think what people are going to realize is that, you know, there's a real opportunity here to save on the fixed cost side of their business or go to a to cheaper locations. And, you know, the funniest thing about office space that I, and just physical footprint that I think most people as most people just discount, especially on the entrepreneurial side is as you're growing, it's something you pay the least attention to. You just sign new leases. You're not thinking about terms. You're just kind of pushing forward. And then what happens is, and I, I've seen this a few times and I, Rob, I'm sure you've seen it a bunch. 
what's crazy is as soon as you start to think about your burn, the first thing you look at is, you know, CapEx and real estate because you realize how large they are. And you're like, man, why did I sign this six year lease? Like, this is crazy. And so I think, you know, if, if they if startups can lower those numbers, get to, you know, different places in the country, you know, lean on remote work to a larger extent, I think you'll see, you know, profitability rise significantly. Yeah. And now what are you seeing in terms of, you know, I, my investing has been a little more sort of SaaS and AI and a lot of my companies are sort of pure software companies. And so their, their supply chain is somewhat limited um, compared to most businesses. You know, you've done a lot of consumer investing, e-commerce, um, product companies and stuff like that. Like, you know, obviously the supply chain has been disrupted in the near term here, but like what, what are the long-term implications you think that has, particularly for the trade-offs that, 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 that the supply chain people have to think about of, you know, having multiple you know, the, the overhead of having like multiple places to source from versus, you know, the efficiency of having a single provider and, and buying at scale and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we've been really fortunate because, you know, some of the consumer companies we've invested in, you know, don't have, um, you know, supply chains that are heavily reliant on, you know, different countries. It's it's mostly in the U.S. and um, most of our companies actually with any type of supply chain actually have everything kind of like on site uh, and source relatively locally. Uh, I think what's going to happen, though, is I think really I think the the biggest change is really large companies are going to have to start looking at their supply chain and understanding, you know, from a risk standpoint, you know, where is the risk? And I think it's less on like the global scale because they do those things, but it's more on like that, you know, one to $3 billion, you know, venture funded consumer business that is reliant on an international supply chain. I mean, I'm sure those countries, you know, those companies only have one or two countries that they deal with. And so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I think it'll force people to think about, you know, vertically integrating here in the U.S. versus going overseas. Uh, who knows what types of restrictions will be put on trade in some capacity uh, in the future. Um, so I don't really know. I, I will say we've been fortunate to back companies that have, you know, been here in the U.S. Uh, from a supply chain standpoint. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting for for companies to just take a hard look and say, you know, if I don't think we've ever seen borders locked down like this, or at least I haven't in my lifetime. And so I think that's going to cause companies of all sizes to just evaluate, you know, what are they reliant on? And so that will be really interesting. And, and so I think, you know, I think we've covered what's interesting is like, you know, from the portfolio standpoint, how we're thinking about that is interesting from the LP standpoint, you know, will be interesting to see, you know, as private capital continues to flow, uh, you know, who are the major investors? Are there still a lot of high net worth individuals, uh, you know, funding? But I think one of the most interesting things is, you know, something you touched on earlier, which is competition. And I think, you know, what we've seen for a long time is startups have too many competitors uh, in similar spaces. And I think that's a byproduct of the capital. And, you know, in some ele- in some aspects, I think what's going to be interesting is, you know, if you have four or five companies in a space, you know, imagine if you took some of the most talented people from all of those companies and they all became kind of one company. And so, you know, I think people are going to start saying, you know, yeah, instead of being point. a CEO, maybe I'll be an executive at a great company uh, in the space that I know really well versus having to do it on my own. And I think all of the private capital that's been in the market uh, has kind of exacerbated people wanting to be CEOs and entrepreneurs. But what's what I think may happen is competitors, um, you know, may kind of join forces. And I think you may see, um, you know, you may see people joining teams when they would have been kind of like solo prior. So I do think there may be less competition in certain spaces as this continues to play out and people, you know, maybe can't raise the capital that they could have raised, you know, one or two years ago. Yeah, those are all great points. Um, 
you know, I think my other piece of advice for uh, for entrepreneurs is, you know, it, it may become the new normal to start thinking about these types of pandemics in a more, you know, globally connected world. Um, you know, one of the areas that I'm looking at as an investor that we haven't made an investment in may not for a couple of years still, but you know, I'm watching synthetic biology. I think biology is going to become like engineering and what happens when somebody engineers a, a, a terrible worse version of a coronavirus or something like that, you know, there's going to have to be, um, you know, ways to deal with it. And I, and I think one of the things you have to look at as an entrepreneur is human beings really don't understand sort of nonlinear processes very well. And, you know, when you, I, I always give this example to people of, you know, if, if your job is to, if you have lily pads on a pond, this, this is a, this is an IQ test question sometimes, right? It's like, Hey, the lily pads double every day in 30 days, they cover the whole pond. What day do they cover half the pond? And people's natural instinct is to say 15 days, but it's, they're doubling. So it's day 29. And so you run into this problem with processes like that, where if your job is to watch the pond and make sure it doesn't come covered with lily pads. Well, for 25 days, you watch it and there's hardly any lily pads, even though they're doubling and you're not super concerned. And all of a sudden it explodes and covers the whole pond in just three or four days. Um, and so I, I think th those kinds of things are, are hard uh, things for people to understand, but also for entrepreneurs to watch for in their business. And so I think I think seeing more tools, uh, whether they're you know software tools and, and more types of systems that measure this stuff, um, health measurements and things you're talking about, Matt, and then you know maybe insurance policies against some of this stuff, I think are going to be a big part of business going forward. But it's it's definitely going to change. And so our our goal here on this little mini series um, of just you know we're probably going to do two or three episodes here is going to be to talk to some you know entrepreneurs and investors and um, you know, maybe some other technical people about, um, about how this might change. And, uh, you know, you guys are going to be sitting at home cooped up and we hope to, uh, you know, give you a little bit of entertainment, um, and education about, uh, what people are doing about coronavirus, how they're thinking about the sort of lasting impacts, um, on this. And, uh, yeah, so we hope, we hope you'll listen and we hope you'll enjoy the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. If there's anybody that you think should be on uh, one of these podcasts in the near term or, or things we should talk about, uh, shoot us an email, podcast at pjc.vc. Um, and then as Matt said, uh, you know, we uh, we closed our fifth fund. We're still going to be investing through this. Um, and so, you know, if you have an interesting company, uh, definitely reach out. Thanks for listening.